well-educated college life, the other, especially literature or politics or social sociology, play much more important role. Yeah, I like to hear that about literature as an English major, <laughs> who gets a lot of shade thrown at me for being an English major. Hello and welcome to the Asian American Forward Podcast. It's just our usual crew today and we're discussing an issue that's really controversial. It's been in the news a little bit lately um, with some recent Justice Department announcements. Um, So we're talking about affirmative action and of course joining me today is my regular co-host Don. How are you Don? Hey Katie. Hi everyone. Nice to meet with you either on the YouTube or on the podcast good to be back as usual and we've had a few guests lately so it's nice to have just the two of us um for a little while um so but before we like get into all of the issues surrounding affirmative action and talk a little bit about um like cases that have been going through the courts in recent years i wanted to give the audience a little bit of context so i did some research um and we'll give up some background based on my reading but also you can jump in at any point if you feel like I'm missing something. So you can just let me know. Um, So I kind of am borrowing a lot of this uh, from an article that I read from the New Yorker. The reporter's name was Louis Menand. I could be pronouncing that wrong, but um, I I wanted to like read this paragraph out from the beginning of his article because I think it really encapsulates like a lot of the tensions that are at the center of like affirmative action as a policy. So I will read from his article before I like get into it. But he wrote that the terrible paradox of the civil rights movement is that outlawing racial discrimination made it harder to remediate its effects. Once we amend the constitution and pass laws to protect people of color from being treated differently in ways that were harmful to them, the government had trouble enacting programs that treat people of color differently in ways that might be beneficial. We took race out of the equation only to realize that if we truly wanted not just equality of opportunity for all Americans, but equality of result, we needed to put it back in. And our name for that paradox is affirmative action, is what Munand writes. So the issue that he's kind of brings up here is that, um, so once we like said in the constitution that you can't discriminate on someone based off of race that also so that means that you can't harm someone or deny them a service because of race but it also means that you can't provide a benefit because of race um, in many cases and sort of the way that affirmative action has been used is to try and get around that issue um, so it was a, originally the term was coined by the Kennedy administration when they were setting up this committee on equal employment opportunity. Um, but it's the concept of like allowing or setting aside specific positions or put it, taking into consideration. It most often comes up like in the context of hiring and also college admissions, which we're going to talk about, um, is it's always been controversial, especially when it's referred to as quotas, which are officially illegal um, as of 1978. So that's like requiring that a certain number of a position be held by someone with like a specific uh, minority identity. So it seems like though affirmative action has been effective at improving diversity and it's, but it's pretty hard to prove that a minority hire almost always took the place 
at the expense of a better qualified white person. Um, so it's like hard to parse out oftentimes, and we'll see this later when we get into admissions data, how a company or a college is making a decision and whether or not you can actually point to affirmative action and say that that choice was made because of race or because of gender or some other reason. Um, so I will, before I like let you jump in, give like a quick background. So the big like affirmative action case um, is the uh, University of California versus Baki. Am I saying it right? Yeah, like just back. Yeah. Okay, back. Yeah. So that was a 1978 case. And so this was a white um, student who um, sued the University of California Davis um, because he had twice been rejected um, from their law school. Medical and school. what? Or medical school. Yeah, medical school. Um, and so what they found was that they ran kind of two separate admissions pools, one for minority applicants. They set aside 16 spots for that. And then a separate like regular admissions for the remaining, I forget how many spots. I think it was like a hundred total spots. So like yeah, seventy years. Yeah, 160, 168, something around that. Yeah, somewhere in there, like a hundred or two hundred spots. Anyway, so the, the court concluded in that case that Davis could reasonably decide that a diverse class provides a better learning environment. Considerations of an applicant's race as one factor among others can fall within the extra exercise of a constitutionally protected right, but also at the same time, you can't um, have a quota, so you can't set aside certain numbers. And so this issue kind of has continued to be litigated in the court and most recently, and probably the most high profile um, of these cases is the Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard, right? So this was a group of white um, and Asian American students who uh, kind of banded together to sue Harvard, um, alleging that Asian American students and white students um, were discriminated against by the admissions um, of Harvard and held to like higher standards than other minority applicants. Um, they ultimately lost, ultimately Harvard um, won the, the case, um, but there has been some similar, um, during the Trump administration, there was a really similar case against Yale. So Don, I wanted to bring your voice in here um, to kind of get your perspective as an American immigrant um, about how you've like related to these policies and, and the idea of affirmative action. Yeah, uh, since I study law in this country, so it's an affirmative action. If we purely from, uh, from the uh, legal perspective, affirmative action is not very good, solid legal argument. It's just a kind of a redress what's the past wrong and try to do some correction to make uh, uh, the bad things becoming better. But uh, when they do something, the, the do something becoming unfair to some other people. That's the, the controversial at this moment. So originally the, all black people has been discriminated both in the college admission and also it's in the uh, job market. So it's the, uh, the civil right or progressive movement from the 60 and from Supreme Court and all the way push the, uh, the, the the affirmative action until today. But uh, the, the trouble for the new immigrant uh, like uh, myself or the old generation new immigrant, 
most uh, people coming from uh, mainland China, they have been educated in elitist college there already. So people coming here, they attend the graduate school, got a master PhD, mm -hmm. and they expected their next generation, their kids can go through the same path by study hard and uh, get a higher SAT score and admitted into the uh, Ivy League college. So their life in the future assumed to be better. So it's affirmative action It's kind of a, for them it's a, a kind of a reverse discrimination because they think they are elite, they are smart. But if you lower the standard of admission in the college, not fully review the students by the academic score, but put some other factor there, it's uh, become the very competitive for them. They think their life is only one, one threshold they can change their life. They can mm -hmm. either get into the elite college, they become better people, become richer people, or become elite social class. That's the, their mentality. That's why they are so strongly against the affirmative action. And the originally, the, I, I probably myself, just purely from ideologically, think this affirmative action is wrong. But when I gradually extend my network, my friendship to the community, to the black community, to the Latino community, to the politician circle. And when we make a public policy or making choice, sometimes we have to consider the, uh, the minority or it's the socially disadvantaged group. In that case, I think it's the affirmative action it still have some uh, social implication and still play very important role. And uh, you know the discrimination, sometimes it's, the, it's the, on the surface, sometimes it's the, below the water. It's the people say, oh, I don't like uh, Asian, I don't like a Latino, I don't like a Black. At this moment, the American, no one going to openly make this kind of a claim. Right. But when you have a political power, when you have a decision making, especially when there's an all white male make a decision, they tend to admit the white or they admit the, uh, their own ethnic group. So it's the implied discrimination still there, especially in the job market. So it's the, but the business people, especially big corporations, they see the advantage or the merit of the new immigrant no matter where they're coming from, they tend to admit more Asian engineers from Indian, from China, or from Russia. They're very, very talented. So they want to apply the affirmative action in the job market. College admission is totally different. College admission, both in the California and in the Harvard or the those Ivy League, just as you said, in 1978, the old admission it's a, uh, has been labeled a quota as illegal. So no school can use the quota to admit the students. But the Supreme Court has been back and forth on this particular issue. It's very, very ambiguous. ambiguous. They set up a standard, no one can make a 
clear decision whether it's a discriminate or not discriminate, but they put a risk as a one of a factor to generate a more diversified college environment study and also create the future community service and all the ethnic group they can uh, in this society have a service uh, uh, field, especially like a doctors, they want uh, more doctors to help minority people with their color. For example, if I'm a Chinese American, I tend to visit a Chinese doctor, even I can speak Chinese uh, to the doctor so I can describe what's the symptom and what's the disease and how I feel. But if I talk to Caucasian doctor, I don't know the terminology at all. So those kind of a social impact is very, very complicated. If you purely from a theory affirmative action, it's at this moment, it's kind of a, uh, outdated already because it's a, we think it's the black people, they have a, after like a half century, the, the movement, it's the, the black people has been grabbed a lot of a political power. For the California, Latino has been grabbed a lot of a, a political power. So, but when they have a top has a political power, but at the bottom they have a 80% people, it's a disadvantage or minority. So they try to use their political power and use the affirmative action as a tool to solve the, the, the majority of their voter basis of people and try to give them a more opportunity to get into the, uh, the, the society. That's kind of a controversial between equal opportunity and the equality of the result. So yeah. the most progressive, especially in California, they looking for result because if that result is good and gradually it's 10 years, 20 years, and the, the people get a good education, the minority, they're going to uh, improve their lifestyle. For Asian, especially for the first generation Chinese here, oh my God, it's a, it's a disaster for them because this is the reverse discriminate mm -hmm. and totally killed their past and block their past to, to move, uh, move up on, on, on the social ladders. That's the, my understanding. Yeah, I'm really curious. It also, I mean, because the, like we brought, we've brought up a couple times the tension between equality of outcome yeah, equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome or equality of result. And like, I think in American culture, there's still like not really not really resolution on that issue about whether we should be aiming for equal results or just that everyone should be like at the same starting line, I think is like a metaphor that's brought up often. So do you have like a perspective on like whether the ultimate goal is equality of result or equality of opportunity? Of course, my personal perspective is uh, uh, equality of opportunity is uh, idealism. That's the, the best for any society. But at this moment, there have some uh, uh, the transition period. This transition period may be 50 years or maybe 100 years. But uh, I see the, the light at eternal. So it's the finally equality of opportunity going to take over the entire society. Just like uh, you see the all the Ivy League uh, college or the, the uh, school, they mm -hmm. start to abolish the, uh, the SAT exam. Yeah. That's the very, very important signal. It's the, these things is uh, for 
responsibility of a university. We are not only looking for people who can handle test the best, and also if the the rich people they tend to give their kids a lot of a good outside the school in the middle school, right? Because they can invest in tutors, yeah, like tutors, prep a, books, and all of that stuff. Yeah, yes, that's the they they have. But the poor guys and the the, the family with a less economic advantage, they cannot afford it. They can only enjoy the whatever the public school provided. But they have some other talent. Those talent for the future people and the life is becoming a whole life of study, not decided by one admission. You go to the Ivy League and then you win. You are the winner. So it's they <laughs> gradually change this mentality. But for Asian, especially for Chinese, they need a time to adopt this one. That's why mm -hmm. it's so many people start to looking for around the, their community, try to do some charity work and try to get into the political uh, the involvement. That's kind of a good uh, trend for the Asian community, for Chinese community to adopt this one. The, the case of uh, uh, the, the fire admission suit, however, that case is very typical. The, the lawyer is called uh, Ed, uh, Edward Bloom. He uh, has used his whole life to sue the elite uh, uh, the college for admission mm -hmm. because he firmly believed this is a reverse admission. If a Supreme Court changed the court composition from a liberal to the conservative, especially now, it's a very, very good opportunity to shift the decision because the Supreme Court is always uh, put a very ambiguous uh, uh, standard of admission there. But mm -hmm. this time, if they have another case, bring to the Supreme Court, probably the conservative going to vote maybe five to four or six to one or whatever is a majority is a conservative. Yeah. So they probably going to apply the equality opportunity much, much, uh, stronger tendency to over the equality of a result. And also the, the affirmative action is that gradually they lose their uh, the argument because the, the society has been tend to gradually go to the more equal equality. That's the basically the, my feeling and the predict, prediction. Yeah, I certainly hope that like going to an Ivy League school is not the only way to guarantee a good <laughs> life because I've been to a small private school. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I definitely think that also there's like a lot of like cultural perceptions about, um, you know, uh, status maybe is the right way to talk about it. But like, I, and I think this is not only true among Asian Americans, but definitely like all Americans, like if you go to Harvard or Yale or Princeton, like everyone knows those names. Um, and that we still do attach a certain amount of like, um, I don't know, privilege or we, we attach a certain amount of like value to people who are able to achieve those things. So I'm curious also like how, like how maybe since coming to the US, your mindset has like shifted about like uh, affirmative action or like what changed your mind to sort of like broaden your perspective about like the essential like 
how important it is to get into the elite universities and then also like about who even deserves to be at these elite schools uh my my thinking or experience is uh similar like uh, all the people if you come into this country longer enough your mentality your philosophy your observation to the society will change gradually it's at the very beginning i totally uh, uh, have a republican mindset free market and uh, as long as you work hard as long as you study hard you become in the, the elite you have uh, your you enjoy your life uh, i went to university of pennsylvania it's called the elite right yeah good school yeah it's a, i feel always oh, I'm, i'm good but uh, later when you go working with uh, people from private small college you think they are very smart too <laughs> so it's the, it's really doesn't matter after 10 20 years you graduate uh, no matter which school you are graduate and uh, for the employer they more pay attention not to, to your which college you graduate but uh, what kind of person you are and how you can finish your job and how you treat other people that's the fundamental factor to affect your life affect your leadership and uh, most people uh, new immigrant they still at the stage they were narrow minded just uh, based on their life experience thinking the only way to achieve your life goal is to go to the elite uh, university i think it's a at least at the at the moment me it's totally changed already because i have so uh extensive the network with all different ethnic group and uh, when i have a social justice or it's a social welfare it's the issue coming up you have to negotiate with all kind of people and then you understand what their situation by this way you can put your feet into other people's shoes to think that's totally change your mentality but if you insulate yourself only in your own community you only associate with your alumni associate with your peer you will never see this country so you only judge whether it's a justice or it's a fairness it's from your personal experience but if you think from other people's the mind is a, you're going to change your mind Yeah, that's such a good perspective too that like justice is really well fairness maybe is really determined um by your perspective and like where you're looking at the problem from. So like of course if you're someone who like has a perfect ACT score or SAT score and you got rejected from Harvard, you're yeah. going to feel really differently than if you're someone who like has grown up in a poor environment and had to work really really hard and didn't have all the extra tutors or whatever it was that it would take someone um to get to reach that kind of point academically and so um there are all these questions about also like merit and meritocracy um I haven't gotten the chance to read but I have listened to a lot of interviews with um really famous uh political philosopher from uh from Harvard who we've talked about before um not on the show but just in our own conversations um Michael Sandel who just yeah. released a book uh, where he talks a lot about college admissions 
um, called The Tyranny of Merit and kind of about how like our idea that um, going to these top colleges and earning your spot into like an elite life, not only is it like sort of untrue that like the extent to which any of us can really earn anything that we have is maybe like a little more complicated than we give it credit for, um, but also that it's like harmful not only to like the people who are like trying to strive for these like high positions, but also that sort of like driven a lot of the like resentment based politics on the right of the last, um, you know, decade or so. So I wonder if you had any thoughts about like just even the idea of meritocracy in general that we even, is it even possible for us to like earn something and it be perfectly fair like that? Yeah, it's the same thing. So the way all have been uh, pretty impacted by the Michael Sanders the theory about the social justice and also about the meritocracy. So that's kind of things that you cannot reject the, the people's experience and the lens that have effects to prove if you go those elite 80% percentage, you are going to be enjoy a very good life in the after graduation. The, the challenge I think is that for me is that people confuse that elite, uh, the admission kind of uh, not very closely related to affirmative action. Affirmative action actually play not very important role in the elite, uh, the Ivy League admission. Most 80% or even 90% the factor or cause the, the racial uh, disparity is not risk factor played there or affirmative action there. It's just based on the, their traditional, either the alumni case or either they have a special talent, or it's based on your donation gave to Harvard or Yale or Princeton. So you can see that the generation, the parent that went to Harvard and their kids went to Harvard and their kids went to the Harvard. That's the kind of things that they can contribute and build their personal relation to the each uh, elite school. Mm -hmm. Affirmative action in generally, they only cost like a 5% to 10%. But also you see the percentage, Asian or Chinese admission rate in the Harvard or the, in any Ivy League is more than 15 to 25%. That's the range. But in the terms person, of- So I, I yeah. wanna make sure that we're clear on stats. So you're talking about the admission rate, like the percentage of Asian Americans who are accepted, or are you talking about accepted, the percentage accepted. of Asian Americans relative to the whole student body? Okay, there's two numbers. One is the percentage of admission. Okay. Asian take like a 20% already. And in terms of the population, it's in, in this country, Asians only less than 5%. Right, so Asian Americans are like, tend to be overrepresented in yes. universities yes. relative to the like population of the whole country. Yes, but uh, the problem is the Asian tend to try to apply for the elite program that the university. So you can see that compare with the admission and compare with the, the base is how many applicants from Asian and how many Asian admitted. So it's a, like a 5,000 the Asian apply for 10 spa. So that's cause their internal competition. Mm -hmm. So it's about the 
the lawsuit turned this one, put the label on the affirmative action, but in, in didn't use the population wide. But if you use the Harvard standard, they said, we don't discriminate you. The number tell we over admitted you more than the, the demographic percentage already. Why you still source? But the, the, the fair student admission say our score is a way high than any other ethnic group. But they, if they based on the, the SAT, the entire Harvard or Yale or Princeton, every school is going to have 80% Asian or Chinese already. That's going to happen. So it's the if you think that's fair, or it's the, if you based on the the, the lawsuit, the, the, their argument that's going to be happen. So it's the I don't think American people going to accept those kind of admission rates. Yeah, I was like, look, I was trying to find stats about like acceptance rates for Asian Americans, which is actually surprisingly hard to do. But I also found a similar statistic to you, right? That like. Um, the student body of most universities, or I'm not sure if this was Ivy League universities or the one that I found was a little bit old. It was from like 2005, um, but like about 20% of a college is Asian, Asian American, uh, like, and compared to the whole population of the United States, that's way overrepresented. Um, if you compare, also, I was looking at the average combined SAT score. This isn't, these numbers are as of 2015, so they're a little bit old. But like the average Asian American score is 1654. Compare that to like, um, so Black American average score is 1277. White American is 1576. Um, Mexican American is 1343. So right, the point that you just made, which is that like, if you let people in solely on the basis of their test scores, you would end up with schools that are like, mostly Asian, which doesn't really line up with the population of the US um, at all, which I think is a really interesting way also into questions about like, what is the role of these elite universities in the, in the nation, like, are they meant to be representative of our population or like, what should, what should they be aiming for when they're admitting students? Do you have like a perspective on that? Yeah, I personally think it's uh, this is the entire education philosophy and the, the impact to the future of uh, mankind and uh, what kind of people the, the uh, education institute are going to play. So it's the graduates, I think it's all the uh, university president or principal, they can start to thinking what's kind of a, a human capital they try to build for the future society. And they probably want to build a more uh, human-centered people and the talent and they, the, the future leaders and the, with the heart of a humanity is more important than the uh, test score. And also the test score is like SAT, that's the, Second World War II used the standard to try to uh, put some of uh, the, the veterans back to school and the, those kind of uh, outdated standard and it's not fit to the current situation. And now it's the people take advantage of SAT. They said, okay, let's focus on my five years or two years, just focus on academic and try to multiple choice and make sure that everyone I guess right and then it's, uh, I changed my life so it's uh, the in I think in the within five years all this is going to be gone 
most parent or new immigrant, right? Or the this episode, I just want to make sure that they understand this trend, their education purpose for their kids, and make sure that uh, they can change their mentality and the philosophy of education. Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely. I'm totally with you there on educating people who are like, have a heart for humanity is way more important than like those test scores or whatever number. And I, I also think it's really interesting to think about how admissions are going to go in the next several years. Obviously, I think the pandemic has probably accelerated that a little bit. Many schools, um, including the University of California system this year, yeah. um, waived the SAT requirement. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see like, how uh, that how this year even has an impact on the future of college admissions and whether that like accelerates the end of standardized testing or if standardized testing is just going to become replaced by some other um, factor. Um, but I think that is kind of a good note to end on. I will give you an opportunity to say if there's any last notes that we didn't cover from today that you want to just share about affirmative action or college admissions or even the purpose of education in general? Yeah, I think it's a, the, the one word to summarize what I'm thinking is affirmative action is not perfect, but this is the one realistic has been left many, many disadvantaged people in the past. But for the new generation, affirmative action may be going to go to the probably the, go to the end of, it, of the, their life or the, this concept that is going to be disappeared in maybe 10, 20 years. But for the education, I think it's uh, more and more people or it's a parent or first generation immigrant like me. From uh, in the past, like uh, three years, more and more uh, the high school kids coming to me say, Dan, I don't want to, uh, focus on my last senior year, junior year, so focus on ICT. I want to get more involvement in the community service, more get into the political process, help others to do the campaign and involve in the political the, the, uh, the process. That's kind of a sign that many, many people or parents, they realize the education for their kids if they get the early involvement in the community, in the politics process, and especially so I'm doing the first lines of political stuff. So it's a, I can just bring them to the, all the volunteer works. They feel, their kids feel, it's a very uh, enrichment and fulfilled for their life. That's the, the trend. And I think this trend is going to be stronger and stronger. More and more young people, they are going to form their own judgment to the society by involving the out-school activities instead of focusing only on the math or only on the scores. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you want to be scientist, still you want to be the get all straight A in the, in the math, in the physics, in the chemical, that's fine. But uh, it's for the people, if you want to get a uh, well-educated college life, the other especially literature or politics or social sociology is to play much more important role. 
Yeah, I like to hear that about literature as an English major <laughs> who gets a lot of shade thrown at me for being an English major. Because the question is always, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the trouble for most uh, Asian par parents is the philosophy and uh, um, anthropology and uh, uh, sociology, literature, those kind of a major is the most Asian they try to avoid. They only want their kids uh, like a doctor, engineer, or lawyers. That's it. But uh, when you grow up, especially past the age, maybe 25, 30, or uh, even older, you will see the literature going to impact your entire life and the happiness and also the purpose of your life is going to form because the literature generally is just a gave much, much more broader meaning of life. That is a good, wonderful place to end. I will say one last thing too that I wanted to throw in um, because we didn't talk very much about like K through 12 education, but oh. I think that's like just as important to this conversation. I was educated in American public schools and I think that was like a really important formative experience for me. And so I'm a, like a huge advocate for public schooling. So I wanted to read a quote from Thomas Jefferson who's kind of like, the, the OG of um, in, encouraging pub, free public education for all Americans. So I wanna read this before I close, which he said, educate and inform the whole mass of the people. for They are the only sure reliance for the preservation of our liberty. Um, so just like as we close, I wanna emphasize also that even though we spend like so much time talking and thinking about Ivy Leagues, education is really something that's for everyone, whether you're like a young kindergartner or you're like in your sixties and you wanna like take a course at community college to learn more about something. Um, so I wanted to wrap it up there for this week. And Don, it was so interesting to hear your perspective on this. Thank you. I do enjoy the, this, uh, this subject that I think is a, uh, this is the continually will be the, the vital ground and the, the vital field for people to think and who, where is the justice or what's the social justice means and for the uh, majority people, this society never be 100% absolutely justice. So you have to working with all the ethnic group, try to understand each other and gradually reach the equality of opportunity well done thank you uh and as usual my name is katie simpson our podcast is sponsored by asian american forward you can visit our website at www.asianamericanforward.com if you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com you can also find our Facebook and hear more conversations between Don and I at our YouTube channel, which you should also subscribe to. If you're a fan of the show, please leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell someone about us. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>